Closing out the 2022 NFL season with the big game, the Super Bowl. Welcome to Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. It's Tim Unglesby and, of course, my partner in crime for over a decade now, Mr. Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. We got Ryan with us here on a super Sunday night up until midnight. We're going to talk all things football, of course, and we'll see where the sports world takes us after we're done with our, our talking points. And Tommy, uh, well, well-deserved night off. I, ho- I hope you got some rest. <laughs> yeah, for those that don't know, and I know it's been pretty cold there in Las Vegas because I constantly check the temperature <laughs> of my uh, one of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm still I'm still here on the East Coast, and while it has been a pretty mild winter, Tim, and it's it's pretty mild right now. Um, we're into the mid 40s. Yesterday. Friday night into Saturday, we got uh, real-time temperatures without the wind chill, you know, just regular temperature. Uh, we had four and two degrees. Uh, <laughs> with the wind chill, depending on where you're looking, we're looking at negative 10, negative 15. And one of the things that we did not expect was ridiculous wind. So I, I was telling Tim, I was up all night picking up things out of my yard. I heard my garbage pails a couple of times go running away. It knocked a big, great metal chair off of my lawn. Uh, my backyard was a mess, so it was it was quite the adventure. I was able to wrangle everything and corral everything, Tim, but running outside every 20 minutes to a half hour for like six hours in negative 10-degree weather, it, it, it got to me, man. I, I got I to be on an island somewhere. I can't take this. Oh, wait a minute. I am on an island. No, I mean like a real island. A couple weeks. A couple more weeks, Tom. You'll be on an island, right? Yes. Yes, I will. Yeah. So <clears throat> what's funny is I, I complain to you sometimes. Look, it gets cold out here, right? But maybe it's just cold because we're used to such frequent ups and downs. You know, in the summer, it's 120. And then so when out here, when it gets to 40, 38, 40, it's, it's cold, right? But when you say four, what's the temperature there? Four. I, I don't even know what to think about that. Well, it's kind of funny because it is 52 by you and it's 44 by me. Um, you know, so yeah, it gets cold by you. Yeah, I, I, I tell Abby all the time, uh, you know, she's obviously, she's from Florida and she actually handles the cold better than I do. I've always hated the cold. Uh, but I tell her sometimes, and it's the truth to me, and I'm not joking, to me, anything under 70 is cold. It's just too cold. I don't, I don't want to go under 70, Tim. And she kind of thinks I'm joking sometimes. And then I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, if you can't jump in your backyard in your pool, to me, that's too cold. And then you get the extremes. Like, really, if you're at negative 10, Tim, what's the difference between zero and negative 10? Not much, right? No. You don't want to go outside. and the face, you know, Your face hurts when you walk outside. So I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know how people do it in Canada, in Minnesota. Did you see New Hampshire today, uh, the other day, Tim? I'm not sure if you saw this. No. When you talk about extremes, and we talk about, listen, I was cold. At uh, Mount Washington in New Hampshire, 120 mile per hour winds, negative 95 wind chill, Tim. Jeez. I, I mean, I don't even know how you get to that. Like, like how, it doesn't even register in my mind. It just doesn't. I know. I know this is a sports show, but I have to throw it out there. Would you rather freeze or burn? Like, 
to death or like every day because listen i've been to vegas and i'm sure everyone's got one of these stories but i, I remember going to the old circus circus yeah. and um it was 118 degrees and we looked up on the old circus circus board we were walking on the strip in in august and it said 128 right i mean that was real time temperature and guess what i was i was i was hot but i wasn't like, oh my God, this is the worst thing I've ever had in my life. Now, I've I've been to Boston. I was at a Harvard-Yale game uh, only about six or seven years ago inside that stone stadium, and it, it has the stone seats and stuff. And, and it went to, like, negative 17, and, and I couldn't stay outside. I legitimately was like, I'm done. I'm done. I walked away from the game, couldn't stay outside. So yeah, I would much rather have heat, oppressive heat, either even rather than freezing cold winds. Yeah, I'm on the fence, man. I don't know. Like in the summer, I'm cursing out everything, and I'm like, I can't wait till the winter gets here. And now in the winter, I'm just like, good goodness, I wait, can't wait till. I don't necessarily say I can't wait till August. I can't wait till like May or June, you know, Tom, when it's only like 105. So <laughs> I'm not sure you can ever on history. Uh, on the on the record books in history, ever hear me say, "Wow, it's too hot." You know, I'll say, "Listen, hey, pretty hot out here, right?" Oh, this is rough. I- I'll say that. I don't know if you've ever anybody has ever heard me utter the words, "Oh, it's too hot." You get to like sixty-eight degrees, I'm going, man. This is just too cold. <laughs> so, so yeah, I will take the heat any day of the week. So before we talk about. The big game, which is a week away, and have a little fun. Next next Saturday night, guys, the Super Bowl preview show, the annual Super Bowl preview show. Everybody comes out of the closet, jumps on, gives us our, their prediction, gives us a prop bet. We just talk about the game, have a good old time. Before we do that next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about this week and leading up to the big game and, and you know some of the strengths that we think the extra week may give. Obviously, Mahomes would be in that that column. But before we do that, Tom, let's just one more time. Let's just kind of talk about what did what did you do today, Tom? Let me let me ask you that. What did you do today? Listen, I I didn't have any plays today, Tim. I was I was lost. I love college basketball. I loaded up yesterday. Um, three plays, two of them, some of the bigger plays that I've had in really all year in college basketball. So I went crazy yesterday. Now today. I was actually thinking about driving to the casino, and I said, you know, I I don't really like anything. There was no hockey on. I did not think that the NBA games today were were worth my time, which is generally the consensus constantly. The college basketball board, what college basketball did today was they dropped the ball. There was nothing that I must watch, right? There was not one single game on the board today that I said, all right, that's a game I have to go see. Yeah, you know what? You know the, the the Michigan game. You could have argued, right? You you could argue um, Houston Temple, but I I didn't. I'm a I'm a mid majors kind of guy, and I didn't. You can argue the Seton Hall DePaul game, but I didn't think that was going to be that close. And then obviously Michigan Ohio State, but it was a weak board. You know what I did today with, with the family? I said, you know, I don't really get to see you guys probably since you know early August on Sundays. Uh, I only get a couple of these. We sat around and we played Mario Party Tournament today. <laughs> and 
And over the course of the weekend, my kids watched Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3 for the first time. So it was real good bonding family time before we hit the next week where it's going to be, yeah, you don't see daddy for 18 to 19 hours a day. What I love that. What did you do today? What did you yeah. do today, Tim? How, how bad was your day? Good segue. Good segue. I, by the way, I love what you just said. That That's awesome. And we always talk about how busy we get, but we always make time for our families. And then that's, uh, you know, they grow up. They grow up quick, Tom. Literally, when me and you and I met, uh, our, our youngest weren't even born yet. So it kind of, you know, tells you how quickly things go. Uh, in this life. So I'm glad you got to spend time with the family and yeah, it's, it's going to be a crazy here starting with the Super Bowl through March madness and then baseball. It's here we go again. Right. But I'll tell you what I did last night on the show. We had Jose Valente sit in for you, did a good job. And, and we were talking about, we brought this up just because it is a Vegas happening. It's a, it was a Vegas event, right? So everybody knows that the NFL pro bowl is here. I had no intention of going to this. <clears throat> I, I haven't been a fan of this in years, Tom, and you already know you and I kind of have the same stance on exhibition games, let's put it that way. I had no no intention of going, but Megan said, hey, I was able to get a couple tickets and a couple field passes. Do you think you can go with my dad? Because she had to go to a birthday party for, for, some, for the kids. I was like, I don't really want to, but I rather, you know, I hope she's not listening. I rather do that than go to the birthday party right and i think she knew that too tom so it was an easy way to to get out of the birthday party situation for a cousin but i was like okay and like i said i already knew in my mind i had already predetermined that this was going to be a blank show i already knew it right they don't even play a game anymore it's flag football tom when i tell you this it was worse than I ever thought. What an absolute atrocity this was. And I'm using that word specifically. It was an atrocity. I, I was feeling myself getting angered sitting there in disbelief that people were cheering for this. Here, here's the bad thing about that. I didn't expect it to be as packed as the Legion was. It was, I want to say it was damn near sold out. So many people showed up for this. And it was horrible. Horrible. How the NFL thinks this is okay to put on. I, I already know why, because look at the money they raked in for this, right, Tom? It, I don't know if they were giving tickets out on the street, but it was bad. So let me give the positives of this first. The positives are, I saw a lot of different jerseys at this at the stadium, Tommy. So usually when you go to a game, there's some type of home and, and away, and you see obviously the, the big home teams, you get the away teams coming in, then you can sprinkle in, right? You sprinkle in other teams. This one, I think I saw, and I made, I made, you know, one of my, my key things on the list today was to see if every team was represented by somebody in the stadium. I think they did pretty damn good job. Only teams I didn't see a jersey for were the Panthers and the Cardinals. And I may be off one or two, but every, other than that, every other team had a jersey in there. I thought that was great. A lot of 49er jerseys, Tommy. Other than Raiders, it was 49ers. So I thought, that was kind of cool. That's it. That's the positive, man. The rest, complete. Oh, no, there's one more, one other positive. I'm sorry. Positive, a lot of jerseys. Positive 1A, Blue Man Group was there. Other than that, garbage. Complete garbage. I know you didn't even watch it. So for me to explain this, I'm not even going to waste the time because I don't think it deserves 
airtime to describe this, but just picture this, Tom. Flag football on a 40-yard field. You got guys running around with bucket hats on, sunglasses, just a shorts. It was just a joke. And yet somehow they made it exciting like the NFL does all the way up until the last play. That's what's crazy about it. But my day was horrible, man. I'm, I'm glad I'm on the air right now just to vent because I was. this was brewing up inside of me as I'm sitting there. And the, the funny thing is I took Megan's dad, like I said, he absolutely loved it. So maybe it's just me, Tom. Maybe it's just me. Tim, I don't want to get your heart race going any further, but I have to give the other side of the story here because clearly you're wrong. Oh, okay. clearly, because I have quotes from Jair Alexander who called it one of the coolest experiences the NFL's ever had, and another quote from Justin Jefferson that said it's better than the actual game format of an NFL game. So how, Those guys, how can how can they say such things, Tim? Those guys just dropped further on my list. <laughs> I, I, maybe fantasy. maybe it's you, me you won't draft justin jefferson next year in fantasy because yeah, of that right. kind of quote i won't go that far tom but maybe maybe it's just me man i don't know maybe it's the old in me coming out but I, i'm pretty sure if you were sitting next to me if i could have even got you there if you were sitting next to me you'd feel the same way i just i don't understand i know it's a money pit i get it right let's get everybody out to vegas they can bring their families. There's a lot of kids out there. I thought that was cool. But I don't want to see an obstacle course with, with two linemen, big linemen running around trying to push. Weight. That does nothing. This isn't the 80s and it's celebrity. You know how they used to have those celebrity uh, shows where they would run obstacle courses. I, we don't need to see that anymore, man. Just play the game. Let people see why these guys are supposedly the best at their positions, even though we already know when you look at the rosters, that wasn't the case. But Maybe I'm just being too uptight about it, Tom. I don't know, man. Well, let, let, let me explain my portion of this. And I wasn't there to see it. I And I will never be there to see it <laughs> because of the following. If I was walking along the beach, and I live in beach towns, and I like the beach, right? Beach is a casual time. When I'm on the beach, it's my happy time, right? I've got nothing to do. I like to just sit and stare at the waves, Tim. That's all I like to do, right? If I was at the beach... And I saw two NFL-laden teams, all stars, playing this game for free at the beach. I would continue on my way to stare at the star, uh, stare at the waves, Tim. Mm-hmm. I-, I would not stop for free, which cost me nothing, to watch that game for absolutely free because waves would be more entertaining. So <laughs> while I... Didn't get to see this contest, Tim. I didn't get to see this display of athletic ability. Um, I will never be able to see that because it just would hurt my eyes to take the time to walk down and to watch something like that. It was so bad. So bad. And and they still literally up until the final play had to find a way to make it exciting because it was a, a team competition scoring, whatever, right? And, you know, the funny thing, I'm sitting there and they're introducing the teams. And already, we, like we already knew, we already knew the, the look in the AFC. It was supposed to be Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow. Well, they, n- none of them are there, right? So instead, it becomes Trevor Lawrence, which is cool. Like he was a cool guy. He had he had a great second half. De- uh, Derek Carr. We already know what the situation with that, and it was cool to see the the fans. Uh, you know, pr- probably the last time. Obviously, it is the last time he's going to be there as a Raider. So they they like that, even though. 
the ending to that game. If you, if you didn't see it, go look it up. It was kind of fitting for the way his season went, how the end of the Pro Bowl went for him as well. And then Tyler Huntley, and I'm a Raven guy, but I'm sitting there laughing. Then they go to the NFC side, Tom, and you got Jared Goff. Just like really, these these are the this is the all pro pro bowl. These these are the guys we get to see. Uh, they they're eating it up, man. That crowd was eating it up, and I don't know. The best part for me was I sh- I sent you a couple pictures the halftime show. So I got these field passes, and we got down on the field for uh, one of the. So there's three mini flag football games, and for one of them we got down on the field, which you said they call it the pen, and it literally is a pen. We felt like cattle, Tom, in this little pen, but. It, at halftime of the mini game, they they let you go out onto the field and they had a halftime act, which was horrible as well. The best part about it was that each team sent a cheerleader. So every NFL team had a representative from the cheer team there. And I sent you the pics. I was right there. That was the best part of the day for me, man. Well, you're saying even that was a a terrible, um, you know, act. (laughs) They're just preparing you for next week. Who's the Super Bowl halftime show, Tim? It's uh, Rihanna, right? Isn't it Rihanna? Okay. Right. So so they're preparing you for awful, awful music yeah. and no was, talent people to be uh, performing. I, I it, was a, yeah, uh, it was a good warm-up. So Rihanna's all doing something right. Uh, uh, honestly, <laughs> here's where I get it. Because people go, oh, you guys are old. You want the old format. I'm not even saying that. Look, I don't love to sit around and play video games. I've never been a video game guy in my life. Okay? Uh, but I also absolutely understand that the video game space is taking over and people actually not only bet on, but watch and fill up stadiums of people playing the game. Wouldn't you sit back and say, forget about this nonsense of making believe there's a game. Wouldn't you love to just go, okay, you know what? I'd rather watch two or three. Obviously Mahomes is up. Give me Josh Allen, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase playing Madden against, uh, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and and Daniel Jones, right? Or Saquon Barkley. Give me that. I'd rather, mm-hmm. I'd rather watch that because it's something different. I- I'm okay with progressive and moving on, and let's try to get with the times. This is ridiculous. Do you remember when they used to have the beach volleyball games, Tim? Oh, yeah. Before time? And that Soccer. was before the Pro Bowl, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. that's what this reminded me of. They, they had they used to play beach soccer and somebody broke their leg so they stopped doing it yeah well <laughs> someone's gonna break something doing this yeah so I and I don't even get I never read up because I didn't care enough why they went this format I, I don't think it's I didn't I don't know how that's more exciting than watching a, a full game uh, of two you know you had chase out there you had Jefferson you had Jacobs you had Dalvin cook you had you had like other than the quarterbacks you had good all pro players. You could have had a decent game, even if it was relaxed. It still could have been a decent game, but I don't know, man. Tim, what they're doing is the NFL is telling us and preparing us for what's to come. They want this league to become two-hand touch, right, or flag football. They We've been progressing there for 20 years, ever since, like, the days of Chuck Cecil. It has been, let's get to flag football. So they're, so they're preparing us for that, and they're giving us just an absolutely atrocious halftime and and festivities, and they're going, hey, that's going to be your Super Bowl because the Super Bowl halftime show has been garbage for years. I mean, uh, I know we're not, we're not really getting into the uh, <laughs> into the the game itself here, Tim. Um, but uh, uh, Rihanna, ooh, 
Ooh, that is a that is a fail. Okay, sorry guys. So we lost Tim. I wasn't sure if if I my feed was cut because I I ripped apart Rihanna, <laughs> and, and that was it. All of a sudden, I ripped apart Rihanna. Goodell came in and he pulled the plug on my on the entire show, and that was that. But you know, look, I think that the NFL to give them a little credit here. Um, we are having a little tongue-in-cheek fun. But I think that the NFL is trying to do something different, right? Tim may have had a, a, a terrible time there. Uh, his report, he was texting me how bad it was. But they're trying to do something. I think trying to do something is where they get in trouble, right? I, I, I do. I, I believe that. I've said this for a long time about the NBA. I've said this for a long time about hockey, who I actually think that the skills competition added something really nice um, the NFL had that skills competition. They didn't play it up kind of correctly in the, the exact way that we wanted. But I remember for years, I mean, we're talking about go back to uh, go back to to Green and Washington way back in the 80s where they had the fastest man competition. You can do certain things and, and have some kind of foot instead of giving the, us a, a mock game. They tried to include the Mannings. Right. So I get that. Right. I get the idea that you're you're trying. They're trying to force something that they know is failing. They know no one cares about this event today. They know that the Pro Bowl um, slash skills competition in the NFL, for whatever reason, is failing and falling flat on their face. And don't give me that the stadium was full today, guys. That is an, a, an attribute to people in Las Vegas. Right. That is a good thing for people in Las Vegas going out there and just defending the NFL and, and being a participant, just thirsting for some kind of sports information, sports entertainment in any way, shape, or form. That's a good thing for for Vegas. But overall, the NFL fan wasn't watching today. Overall, the NFL casual fan specifically is the targeted group. They, start, they didn't even know what was going on today. They certainly weren't watching today. So, the NFL is trying to think outside the box. I just think that lessening a game like this, giving you a product that most NFL fans are kind of afraid that we're going towards anyway. I mean, you hear it all every week. Oh, it's kind of like two-hand touch. Oh, it's kind of like flag football. You're, you're giving, and it will never get there, right? But you're giving the NFL a version of something that they're terrified of. And the NFL is the only league that have not been able to capture a skills competition. Like I said, I think the NHL has done a pretty good job. People do like that skills competition and it's elevated up just this week. Uh, they were circulating when Connor McDavid went four for four on four straight shots in the four corners of the net and, and how that was incredible. The dunk contest, obviously it reached its heights with uh, Michael Jordan. And then you had, you know, jumping over a key and things like that. It has regressed, but it had its heights. Major League Baseball home run derby. Again, it had its heights and people tune in and people pack a stadium for that. The games themselves overall have lost a lot of their luster. They haven't lost their luster necessarily because, well, we're not getting stars out there. It's because we watch it all the time. It used to be a display of watching guys on a team play against other guys that we don't get to see. We didn't get to see it because of TV availability. We didn't get to see it because you you, you never played in a division. You never played against in each other. You never played, uh, you know, city against city. You never got to do that. That's all gone, right? Interleague play eliminated the novelty of that. 
uh, television, broadcast, getting into fantasy football. You're watching other guys outside the city, so you don't need that. The NFL needs to find a skills competition. Forget about this other nonsense. I get it that they tried, but it obviously fell flat for many people, including people in attendance like Tim. Let's uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick timeout. Hopefully, Tim will come on back. If not, doesn't you know? Doesn't matter. He'll come back some point during the show. I will take us for a little while. We're going to talk about the game itself. Touch on a little bit about the game itself, and and I want to talk about the big picture because the, next week, next Saturday night, we're going to have our big Super Bowl show. It's always the best show of the year. Everybody comes on, gives our predictions, and it's kind of hot and heavy. We don't get to go into really what is behind it all. And I want to talk about the legacy of Patrick Mahomes. We've watched people talk about Patrick Mahomes as if the what if, right? What if he wins? What if he loses? I want to get into that. I want to get into the what ifs Patrick Mahomes wins and loses and try to keep our heads and not jump up and overdo it. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back. Lots more right after this on Heat Wave Sports. 15 yards. First down. Now back to Heat Wave Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barr. Fighting Armadillo. 2022 Heat Wave Sports Fantasy Football Champions, coached by Mr. Tom Barton. Tom, you got another ring. Took you about, took like, what, seven or eight years, but you got you got your second title in the league, man. Yeah. Hey, it, it's been a battle. You know, it, it was a, a an absolute uh, wire-to-wire kind of thing, though. It, it was, I, it, I, I sat there for those going back and, you care about my fantasy championships, which I know that you don't. But it was kind of funny <laughs> going into going into week nine. I was two and six, Tim, but I had the most points in the league. I had the most points against in the league too, so, so it was going to be a problem. Going into week nine, I was seven and two and didn't make the playoffs. So that kind of tells you what <laughs> what happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> you did not have either Jalen Hurts or. A guy you talked about right before the break, Patrick Mahomes on your team, though. No, I had uh, Josh Allen, who somehow or another fell to me in the number three pick. I don't think that's ever going to happen again. <laughs> and while Allen's sitting home, we do have the guys that are going to finish or did finish number one and number two in the MVP race. Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, one and two. It's an underrated storyline. Look, everybody's always looking at Hurts and Mahomes for this game. But it's an underrated storyline. We don't often get MVP of the NFC against MVP of the AFC. I know. I know you want to. I guess we could just look at both because. For we'll start with Hurts. For me, I, I think you agreed with me when he was drafted. I was just like, I, I don't get this. I'm not a big Alabama. You know, the 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 whole onus on Alabama QBs. I'm not big on him. He he's. As much as I love Lamar Jackson, I like that he's running less. I, I don't like that aspect of football because when, when what Super Bowl champion had a running quarterback, right? We can always bring that up. And I'm just – not not that I'm not sold in the Eagles because I wasn't either. I thought the schedule played a huge factor in where they're at, but they're there. I'm not a huge Draylon Hurts guy either, and I don't know if I'll ever be. But even if he wins this game next week, Tom, I don't think that he – to me, is an NFL quarterback, whereas Mahomes, look, the guy's proven. He's proven gold. So the storylines in it are, are wonderful. But do you think that 
when you look at Mahomes, we're, we're going two destinations here, even though one's, what, 27, one's 24. But Mahomes is like the veteran now. And this extra week, you know, they're going to keep it as tight-lipped as they can. But this extra week, you have to put the checkbox in the advantage for KC that Mahomes has had another week to rest the ankle. Yeah, not only did he have another week to rest it, but I went back and started watching uh, the, the the film. I go back, I watch, rewatch every game. Jalen Hurts was absolutely magnificent for the first half of the season. I, I mean, dynamic. Pinpoint precision. He had other teams absolutely scrambling. It, I, I'm in a different camp with you than Mahomes. Uh, I'm sorry, than Hurts. In the same camp as Mahomes. Jalen Hurts, when he was in Alabama, and I said, you know, the guy seems like a winner, but he doesn't seem, like you said, like an NFL quarterback. When they basically cut him, right, for lack of a better term, I started rooting for him. I started to like him. I was like, man, I hope he shows everybody that. You know, he benched me at the half at, at, during a championship game. Are you kidding me? And I hope that he comes back. And when we did the draft discussion, I kept saying to you, Tim, I don't know if it will happen, but I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts. And I think that there's something to be said for a guy to be a winner. I always still believe that. I believe if you are a guy that you win at six, seven, eight years old in Pee Wee League football, and then you win when you're in high school, and then you win when you're in college, even if your numbers are not great, you are a winner and people follow a winner, and, and especially at the quarterback position. But when I went back to watch the tape, Tim, all I saw was a hurt, injured Jalen Hurts for the last month. He's not the same. I know he's back, and you can talk about Mahomes getting healed up. Well, is Jalen Hurts going to get healed up? That, to me, is the bigger question. As far as Mahomes goes, I do want to touch on what I kind of led into the break with. Because all of a sudden, we are talking about legacy, and we often talk about this during the Super Bowl. It had been Tom Brady for a long time, and, uh, you know, you always have legacy games. And you start to have those quote-unquote legacy games. Peyton Manning had a very defined legacy game. Yeah, you won one with the Colts, but you've got to win one with the Broncos, right? That was a legacy game for him. He had to get that number two. Eli Manning, oh, well, he had one good fluke helmet catch Super Bowl. He had a legacy game. But if you could win two, you'd be unquestioned. He won two. Legacy game. Ben Roethlisberger, legacy game. Kurt Warner, can you take two teams to the Super Bowl? Uh, legacy game. We have a lot of these legacy games, and it could go the other way on you too. I think Matt Ryan will argue that he has a legacy game to himself, right? Uh, Nick Foles has a legacy game. I mean, these guys, they have legacy games. I believe this is a Patrick Mahomes legacy game, and I'm not trying to overshoot it. You forced me into this. You Everybody out there in Twitterverse, social media, talking heads in the media, dudes hanging out in sports books, guys that I'm friends with in the bar, everybody out there has forced me to this decision. Because the questions are out there, well, if he wins two, where do we start to rank Patrick Mahomes? And I know Brady just walked out the door, but it, it goes beyond just let's argue number one, right? You, you, it goes beyond that. A lot of people are now, where does Patrick Mahomes kind of fit in history? A lot of people are starting that conversation with a 27-year-old Patrick Mahomes. Starting the conversation of, okay, what if he wins too? 
So I wanted to talk about the legacy because I want to get out in front of this. I like Patrick Mahomes, right? I think he's a fantastic player. But let's also remember, Patrick Mahomes took over a 12-win playoff team that Alex Smith left him. He walked into a situation with very potentially the greatest receiving tight end of all time. Very, very possible that that's what Kelsey is. Took over a situation with Andy Reid making an argument here that he might be one of the best two or three coaches of all time. And this isn't to disparage Patrick Mahomes, just giving you facts and reality. This is who Patrick Mahomes is. This is what he walked into. When he won that first Super Bowl, first of all, when he got onto the team, it was Super Bowl or bust because Alex Smith took you very far. But when he won that first Super Bowl, we heard the rumblings. Uh Uh-oh. We could be looking at the next great, the next dynamic guy. But we heard the same thing about Aaron Rodgers, who wound up not winning anymore, right? I mean, we watched that happen. We've watched this and heard this about a lot of guys. Drew Brees has tremendous numbers. Drew Brees only has one, right? So this happens in your career, in many careers. So I said, let's hold off here. Patrick Mahomes has one win. Patrick Mahomes also has one loss. So if Patrick Mahomes wins and goes two and one here, what does it say about Patrick Mahomes? Well, let's look at the positives. He did it without Tyreek Hill. He'd be doing it in a very different kind of offense. He'd be doing it in a year where, once again, he's going to win the the MVP, okay? That is pretty enormous. He dominated, and he has dominated his division since he walked in. He's dominated basically the AFC if he gets this championship, even if he doesn't, basically dominated the AFC since he's walked in. Patrick Mahomes is unquestionably to me, and I am a giant Josh Allen fan, unquestionably the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't think you can argue that. I think since Patrick Mahomes has walked onto a football field to be the starter of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been the best player in the sport at the quarterback position. I don't think you could argue that. So all of that right there, with an extra Super Bowl win, you've got to start looking and talking about Patrick Mahomes in the just glory of what he is. Are we are we starting to put him above players? And that's where we start to have the conversation. Are we ready to start having the conversation that he's above players like an Aaron Rodgers? Are we starting to put him above guys like a Dan Marino, a Drew Brees? No, 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 no. Even with a win, guys, his career is too short now. But I will say this, and you guys know how much I like Kurt Warner. Patrick Mahomes gets into the Kurt Warner range. Patrick Mahomes starts to get into that Kurt Warner-esque range if he wins, because Kurt Warner had a shorter career than most. I think you can really, truly have a conversation about where Patrick Mahomes is all time at this age if he wins number two. Now, for me, does that conversation mean he's a top five guy? Absolutely not. He's not even a top 10 guy. But can I start talking about Patrick Mahomes as the top 20, 25 players at the quarterback position all time? with a win in the Super Bowl, I think it's fair to have that talk. I think it's very fair to have that discussion. Multiple-time MVP, the best player at his position for generally the entire length of his career, 
a guy that now has two Super Bowl rings, yeah, I think we could start having that conversation about Patrick Mahomes. Now, I don't want to overshoot it. Like I said, I don't want to overshoot it and look at Patrick Mahomes and say, okay, he's going to be a guy that, uh, you know, you're going to put in the top 10 or any of that. And there will be people go, going crazy and doing that. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not ready to do that. And, and we really shouldn't be ready to do that. Okay. This is a guy that you, you look at and he's played 80 games in his career. Okay. He's got 80 total games. He's got five years as a starter. But they're some of the best five years you've ever seen. So I'm ready to do that with a win with Patrick Mahomes. But here's the flip side to it. A loss by Patrick Mahomes. And what do we put him at then? A loss by Patrick Mahomes becomes a legacy game in the other way. You could talk about Patrick Mahomes throwing for an NFL record. 79 touchdown passes, first 32 games. Yeah, absolutely. You could talk about Patrick Mahomes winning his two MVPs. Absolutely, you can. You're talking about Patrick Mahomes leading the league this year in yards with 52-50, with four, touchdowns with 41. Absolutely. You could talk about him doing it all with Tyreek Hill. That is fine. Well, when we are talking about the best of the best in the sport, and we are talking about the absolute cream of the crop, every little thing matters. The Tom Brady detractors that are out there, the very few that are still hanging out out there, the people that will still say Joe Montana is better. And I just watched uh, this week, Mike and the Mad Dog were on ESPN talking about just this. And Mike Francesa, who is a guy that revolutionized the sports talk industry, said, no, Brady's not the best. Why? Because Joe Montana still is because he didn't lose a Super Bowl. If you are saying that losing a Super Bowl for Tom Brady dings him up, then Patrick Mahomes being under 500 has got to ding him. Patrick Mahomes having two losses in the Super Bowl. That has got to follow you forever. Now, Tom Brady went to an unprecedented amount of Super Bowls. His three losses look terrible when you're talking about losing three Super Bowls. But he's still got more wins than losses, right? So Patrick Mahomes now puts himself in a position with a loss where he now has to win two more Super Bowls to get over 500. He's got to go three and two. And three uh, and two, while impressive, that you've gone there. Well, three and two will always be used against you. You could get over losing one. You could get over the one loss. Three and one, four and one, that starts to get really impressive. That starts to get into elite status as Patrick Mahomes gets into his 30, 30s and mid-30s, looking at three and one or four and one. Well, that's a different animal than three and two. In all likelihood, Patrick Mahomes would have to go on and win four Super Bowls to erase two losses. And a 4-2 and two record still probably keeps him out of the top two or three in a lot of people's minds. So when we talk about the Super Bowl, we talk about legacy and legacy games. This is a legacy for Patrick Mahomes. It's a legacy that can go bad. It's a legacy that can go very good. Patrick Mahomes can still ascend to levels that we are talking about the greatest of all time. And Patrick Mahomes retired tomorrow to me. Look, he, he win or lose, this guy is a Hall of Famer even after five years because he's not had that impressive run. But with a loss, I think you could effectively end Patrick Mahomes' career as, one of, as the best ever. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes can recover from a one and two Super Bowl record. You can tell me, you're crazy, Tom. He's going to go out there. He's going to win six in a row. 
All right, maybe. But he has an aging coach. He has a division that's catching up to him. Might be the best division in football next year. He's got a, a, a lot of things working against him for that kind of ridiculous miracle kind of run. No, no, no. More than likely, Patrick Mahomes has about 10 or 11 years left in football. God willing, we get to watch him that long, right? 10 or 11 years worth of football. Let's say he goes to three more Super Bowls. Let's say he wins all three after this. Like I said, is a 4-2 and two record going to swing the Montana 4-0 people? So four and two record going to swing people against Brady, against Patrick Mahomes, probably not. So Patrick Mahomes has a lot on the legacy front. When you're talking about this, could go good for him. Absolutely, two Super Bowl rings puts him in elite company. There's only a handful of guys that's ever done that. It is almost an automatic punch to the Hall of Fame if you can do that. Which I don't think he's going to need much help from there, but. That is elite, elite legacy. But the loss also cements a legacy from Patrick Mahomes. The loss also puts him in a really, really, really bad position when he wants to talk about all-time elite greats of the great. I'm not making the rules, guys. I'm just telling you what the detractors are going to say. The detractors for Tom Brady are that he lost Super Bowls. Well, then you have to use the same criteria for Patrick Mahomes. Which then brings us to Andy Reid. Because I think Andy Reid is a forgotten man in a lot of this. Because of the excitement of Patrick Mahomes, how young he is, the style that he plays. He's overshadowing Andy Reid and his place all time in the all-time record books. He he is overshadowing all time what Andy Reid really is. And that is very potentially one of the top five or six greatest coaches of, in the history of this league. Now, Andy Reid has his problem, okay? Andy Reid has absolutely, has clock management issues, and he always has, right? He's always had clock managing issues. But he's a two-time Super Bowl champion, once as assistant, once as a head coach. He would be two-time head coach champion. He's got an AP Coach of the Year. He's got three Sporting News Coach of the Year awards. Got a Pro Football Weekly Coach of the Year award. He's got uh, NFL Club Coach of the Year award four times. He has, has sitting here with a 635 career winning percentage, 268 total wins, right? I, I mean, well, you look at most wins all time in the NFL for a coach, and, and Andy Reid, yeah, he's on that list, guys, right? You look at Andy Reid, you go, Wow. Can he have an argument if he wins here to be one of those guys? Andy Reid's sitting fifth on the list for all-time wins. He's at 267. Tom Landry's at 260. So he's going to beat Landry next year. Now, George Alice is at 324. I don't know if he gets there. I don't, I, I don't know if Andy Reid gets to that point. But you're talking about fourth-place all-time wins. He'd have two rings. He'd have you know Super Bowl appearances with two different teams. I think it's a legacy game for Andy Reid. Andy Reid, for a lot of his career, was the guy that couldn't win the big game. Andy Reid, for a lot of his career, had that moniker attached to it. You go out here and you win, and you are starting to form sort of a dynasty with Kansas City. Yeah, all of a sudden, Andy Reid has to be talked about as, hey, we're all looking at Belichick and what he did. Is it possible 
that Andy Reid is in the same breath as Bill Belichick. With a win, there will be people that put him there. With a win in the Super Bowl, there are going to be people going, okay, let's talk about Andy Reid potentially being the best all-time coach. Let's talk about Andy Reid being on that list, that short list. The Walshes, the Parcells, the Lombardis, the Hallises, the Belichicks, and, and, and the Reeds. I mean, he's going to do that to his legacy. But again, where there is a flip side, everybody, where there is a flip side to all this, right, isn't there a bad side? And, and yeah, there is. There is for Andy Reid, who, like I said, has had the moniker of coming into Kansas City as the guy that couldn't win the big game. Oh, he's going to build your program. He's going to give you a lot of good offense. He's going to do a lot of good things for you. You're going to love Andy Reid. But he couldn't win the big game. Bad clock management couldn't win the big game. And now all of a sudden, if you go back and you say, Andy Reid, yeah, you got one Super Bowl win, but you've also lost two in a row. You've lost two two championships in three years, lost an AFC championship um, in between that. All of a sudden, you start to go, I, I think that Andy Reid can effectively be crossed off the list. Effectively crossed off the list of the greatest five coaches of all time. And I'm sure that neither one of the I sure I'm sure that Patrick Mahomes doesn't really care if we include him in the top five. Just wants to be the best that he is. And I'm sure that Andy Reid's not worried about his legacy. But I want to get out in front of this now because next week, next Monday, and that, that whole news cycle is going to be these conversations. If Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Reid win, yeah, people are going to overreact. People are going to start talking about where Mahomes is on the all-time list. They, they already have, by the way, this week. Most talented quarterback of all time. That's what I've heard. The loss, it's not going to be the best. Andy Reid, oh, he's climbing the list. He is climbing that list. Ah, with a loss, it'll effectively knock him off the list. And then the last thing uh, to touch on here with Kansas City, how about the word dynasty? You know, me and Tim had this conversation. We briefly touched on it on the air, and I've given it so much thought since we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. And Tim had brought it up, and he said, is this Kansas City Chiefs team a dynasty? And I said, no. And I'm sticking with that. I believe to be a dynasty, you've got to win. You have to win. You could have a hiccup in the championship game during that dynasty, but you've still got to win. And you got to win more than two. To me, it's got to be three or more. I would effectively like you to be there four times, maybe five times, for it to be a true dynasty, okay? You go look at the greatest dynasties in the history of sports. It is multiple championships during a period of time. You could have a slip-up year. Uh, look, even the Yankees during the late 90s, you can have that slip-up year where you don't win, right? They didn't win against the D-backs, but it didn't tarnish their legacy, didn't tarnish their dynasty. No, they still were a dynasty. Um, you look at, at the last great dynasty in the NFL. People will point to Dallas because they went back-to-back Super Bowls. Guys, I, I don't know about that, right? I don't know if they were a true dynasty at that point. No, but then they won three of four. So they lost that, that hiccup year. San Francisco won that year. And then Dallas came back and they won. Yes, Dallas is a dynasty despite them having a hiccup year. Denver came back. Denver won two in a row. Denver beat Green Bay. Denver beat Atlanta. They had a hiccup year. Did they come back the next year? No. Didn't hear from Denver again. Denver was never considered a dynasty. Now, New England, New England won. 
Then Tampa Bay won the next year. So they had their hiccup year. Then New England won two in a row. Guess what? New England was their dynasty. So you can have a hiccup year. I wonder if that's what we're going to be looking at with, with Kansas City here. Kansas City has an opportunity to build on a dynasty with a win. With a win, you can have Kansas City wins. They lose to Tampa. They hiccup again where Cincinnati goes. Then they win against Kansas. Or then they win against uh, this week against the Eagles. And then next year, they'd have to win again to be a dynasty. But you still win three of five and you go to four or five. Now you're a dynasty. But you can't become a dynasty if you lose this game. No, no, no. You, you can't. You can't go out there and have a one win in 2020, a loss in 21, a non show in 22, a loss in 23. Even with a win in 24, you're not a dynasty. So we are looking at a lot of things from the Kansas City scope here, where you're looking at it from a positive aspect this week. The buildup that the NFL wants you to have, the buildup that all of these radio talk stations that are trying to get clicks and trying to get listeners across the country are trying to hype this game up. If Patrick Mahomes wins, he's the greatest quarterback ever. Oh, you'll hear things like that. If Andy Reid wins, he's the greatest ever. Oh, you, oh, you'll hear that. The making of a Kansas City dynasty if they win. Oh, yeah. You're hearing all that this week. You'll, you'll also hear a lot of that if it happens next week. But there's always two sides to every coin in sports, guys. There's always two sides to every story, to every almost legacy, to every almost dynasty, to every almost historic legendary run. And that is a loss. With a loss, the Kansas City Chiefs lose their opportunity to have a dynasty. You can't have a dynasty and have two losing seasons in the Super Bowl sandwiched between a non-show. No, you could start a new dynasty, but now you're starting from fresh. You cannot do that. If you are Andy Reid, you cannot afford a loss here. If you want to actually be considered in the same breath, in the conversation, one of the top three or five quarter uh, head coaches of all time. Now, I'm not saying number one, but when we start rolling off the tongue, the best coaches of all time, Andy Reid today is in that group just on the outside. Andy Reid with a win? Oh, yeah, he's a part of that. Andy Reid with a loss? Eliminates himself. And I think a lot of that can be said about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes right now, multiple-time MVPs in the first five years, Super Bowl win, a Super Bowl loss. He's one and one. I think many people right now are looking at Patrick Mahomes and saying the career he could have could potentially push for the greatest career of all time. It's possible that Patrick Mahomes gets himself into that conversation. With a win, those... Whispers will become louder. Guys with a loss, Patrick Mahomes' career is automatically said, you are not going to have non-detractors, and you're not going to be considered one of the top two quarterbacks of all time, almost no matter what you do for the rest of your legacy. So this is a legacy game for Patrick Mahomes, a legacy game for Andy Reid, a legacy game for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, guys, let's take our time out top of the uh, hour here. Come on back, hour number two. Tim will be back with me. We're going to go over a lot more, and I want to talk about another guy that's going for history this week, LeBron James. What is his role? Where does he stand in the historic record books when he goes out there and he's going to gr- break the scoring record title uh, probably next game 
But we're going to talk a little LeBron as well. All that and more right after this, right here on Heat Wave Sports. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. All right, guys, welcome back to Heat Wave Sports. Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com sitting in here. Tim Unglesby is with us as well. We're talking a little Super Bowl action in I, uh, I'm already getting you guys tweets. I want to hear from you. It's at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter, 876-1340, 876-1340. Get you a part of the show as well if you want to jump on board. And I'm already riling some feathers here, or ruffling some feathers and riling people up. Um, we're saying, uh, let me read some of the tweets out here. If Patrick Mahomes loses or wins, it doesn't matter. He's the most talented quarterback of all time. Oh, Okay. I mean, guys, if you haven't listened to the show for the last 12 years, I don't care if you're athletically talented. I care about results. I heard, I hear this all the time about Aaron Rodgers, right? And I heard this for years. Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. Why? Because he's more athletic. What has it resulted in? You know, you go out in any world, any any place in the world, and you go, Okay, let's look at success. What what matters more to people? Success or talent? What is more important to a guy's career in any field, specifically in sports, but in any field? Well, that guy has a lot of talent, but he didn't use it the right way. Or, wow, that guy used every bit of the lesser talent that he had to be a more successful person, more successful movies, more successful in 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 anything, a chef, anything. Let's stay with the chef thing. Would you prefer out there to walk into a restaurant, sit down, cut into a nice surf and turf, and go, wow, that is like the best meal I've ever had in my life. And then say, oh, yeah, well, the guy in the back, you know what? The chef, he's not overly talented, didn't go to culinary school, but man. Make some great food. Or would you rather sit down, cook into an overcooked steak, lobsters rubbery, and then go, well, you know, the guy in the back, I mean, this guy is like the most talented dude ever. You, you, you have no idea. Oh, your food doesn't taste good? Doesn't matter. He's awesomely talented. You should, should just be happy that you're eating his food. And that's the arguments that I hear about talent being more than, you know, accomplishments. Talent being better. In every sport. Well, that guy's the most talented. Look, Bo Jackson's the most talented athlete I've ever laid eyes on. Bo Jackson, in, I mean, every way, shape, and form, was oozing talent and talent all over the place. Anybody consider Bo Jackson the greatest football player of all time? Anybody consider Bo Jackson the greatest baseball player of all time? No, because his accomplishments didn't equal up to his talent. Not by any fault of his own, but these things happen. Accomplishments are more than talent, and they should be. So, yeah, keep writing, uh, keep bashing me at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. Uh, go check me out at TomBartonSports.com. Guys, I, I just hit 67% in the month of January, um, and I actually had a client because I, I lost two games in a row pretty much for the first time in January. I had a client write me and, and say, uh, you know, oh, man, did, did the, the streak run out? And I said, actually – I, I haven't had a losing month since the summer. So, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, the, the losing streak's not there. Came out, 
turned around, had a, a beautiful two in one day yesterday, and absolutely crushed it. That's TomBartonSports.com, hitting 67% in the new year. You guys want to jump on board that. All right, look, I talked about um, Patrick Mahomes and his legacy, and, and I don't think Jalen Hurts has a legacy to talk about and to get into here. But I would like to get into something that's unique about him. And that is something that Tim brought up earlier, running quarterbacks. He called Jalen Hurts a running quarterback. And he said, rushing quarterbacks do not win the Super Bowl, right? Uh, he's 100% right. I mean, rushing quarterbacks just flat out don't win the Super Bowl. You go back and you look at most rushing yards in a career by a quarterback in the Super Bowl. And you have really – Nobody. I mean, nobody. Joe Montana has 105 in his four Super Bowls. John Elway was considered a scrambler, not really a runner, but John Elway, 86 total yards. Roger Staubach, maybe he was more of a runner than you're used to, 83 yards. Russell Wilson earlier in his career, he's got 65 total yards. Kyle Kaepernick had 62. So you go down and you look at this and you go, what about Cam Newton at 45? Quarterbacks that rush and rush in the Super Bowl, they don't normally win. Running quarterbacks don't normally win. But before we do that, we have to ask ourselves, is Jalen Hurts a running quarterback? I don't know if I fully buy into that. I think that he has attributes to his game that can lead you to believe that. And, And... I get where Tim's immediate reaction certainly was. Look, the guy's played three years. Year one, 63 attempts, and he had 354 yards. Year two, 780. And this year, he was well on his way to about 900 yards, but he sat sat there at 750. Maybe his game overall is that of a running quarterback. Maybe. But I don't think it's going to be in the Super Bowl. I don't think a guy that is banged up the way that Jalen Hurts is, is going to be a running quarterback in the Super Bowl. So do we consider him a running quarterback? Now, Tim's immediate reaction when he was breaking the game down earlier was that Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback. I I don't necessarily agree with that. First of all, Jalen Hurts is a dual-threat quarterback. Um, I don't think he's a run-first guy. And there's a big difference. I've talked about this. And I have argued this, and I, I have had a, a good discussion about this for years. There is a huge difference between a running quarterback and a scrambling quarterback that then has to run. Running quarterback, when they get in trouble, first instinct is to run. Okay? I'm not sure that's Jalen Hurts. Now, I think that was Jalen Hurts earlier in the year. But go look at the film. Go break down his game, game by game, and what he has done uh, over the course of the season. It's not exactly a profile of a strict rushing quarterback. Cam Newton was a rushing quarterback. Cam Newton wanted to run the ball more than throw the ball. But Jalen Hurts, let, let's, just, let's just give you a quick over, over right here of what he has done. Week one, 17 rushes for 90 yards. That's a rushing quarterback. Week two, 11 for 57. Then he went 9 of 20, 16 of 38, 15 of 61, 9 of 27, 2 of 10, 9 of 23, 6 of 28. He had two huge weeks, 16 of 86, 17 of 157. Since then, okay, 
since week 12. Here's his numbers. Tell me if this is a traditional running quarterback here. Five rushes for 12 yards? No. Seven for 77? You could argue that. 17 for 61 against the Chicago Bears? You'd certainly say that. Nine of 13? Nine of 34? 11 of 39? He's getting the carries, guys. He's getting the attempts, but he's not getting the yards. 13, 34, 39? Uh, The averages are not very good. He's not getting a lot of those attempts. So I think he is a... You can argue that he is a rushing quarterback, but I don't think he's a run-first quarterback. Steve Young was not a rushing quarterback to me. Steve Young was a scrambling quarterback that at times had to get out of the pocket and make things happen and would run the ball. But I don't think that Steve Young was a rushing quarterback. I don't think that you can argue that a lot of these guys and what they were are rushing quarterbacks. They are, uh, look, John Elway, he wasn't a rushing quarterback. He was a scrambler, tried to make time, and and then got the ball downfield. Well, Lamar Jackson is a rushing quarterback. Is anybody arguing that Josh Allen is a rushing quarterback? Because Josh Allen runs for a lot of yards. But I think we all know Josh Allen, while he has that attribute to his game, is more like Jalen Hurts, where you're running out of necessity not out of want. So I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on this. Is Jalen Hurts a true rushing quarterback? I don't believe that he is. And I I think that if we're sitting here next Sunday night and we're recapping an Eagles win, I don't know if we can sit back and say, I'm crowning Jalen Hurts as a rushing quarterback winning the Super Bowl. Unless, of course, he puts up phenomenal numbers in that rushing role in the Super Bowl. Sure, that could quiet people down, but where he traditionally is right now, I think this is where the game is evolving into more than what the game actually is. And just quickly for you know some comparison's sake here, I want to bring up um, what Patrick Mahomes has done recently and what Patrick Mahomes has done this year. Patrick Mahomes certainly doesn't get the carries, okay, Three carries or so per game is is about what he's getting at, right? Um, But he's got games with 34. I mean, he's got consistency. Look, 426, 434, 428, 421, 663, 739, 423, 436. I think Patrick Mahomes is more of a, a small sampling of what the quarterback position is delved into, which is guys that are scrambling have to create on the ground. Joe Burrow creates on the ground. Justin Herbert can get out of the pocket and run. Uh, you know, you look at all the great the, the great quarterbacks nowadays, you have to get out there and at least run a little, right? A little bit you have to go out there and run. So I, I don't think, look, Jalen Hurts runs more than a little, but I don't think that Jalen Hurts is going to win the Super Bowl because he's a running quarterback. I don't even know if we could consider him a Pure, surefire, running quarterback. I'm not sure we can do that. Uh, But what I will say is that Jalen Hurts' legs can be the difference maker in this game. If Jalen Hurts goes off for a nine-carry, 80-something yard performance, I think it could be the difference in this game. We haven't seen that in a few weeks. We haven't seen that really since his injury. And unless it's designed, we generally don't see that. 
right? I mean, that's that's what the reality of the situation is. So I, this isn't to jump on Tim, uh, who called him a rushing quarterback. It's to jump on everybody who's calling Jalen Hurts a rushing quarterback. I want to get out in front of this. I want to get out in front of what we are going to eventually be having to talk about next week. What we're going to have to eventually talk about next week is some legacies by the Kansas City Chiefs, but also style of play by Philadelphia, which I do believe is getting lost in the shuffle. All right, let's take a quick timeout. When we do come back, we're going to flip the page. I want to talk a little bit about the NBA, and I do have a couple of more Super Bowl little tidbits for you out there ahead of the betting window that you guys can go touch on as well. But I want to get into this LeBron stuff. LeBron James is on the doorstep of history, and I want to know how impactful that history is. We're going to have the conversation about LeBron James with Tim on the other side of this break right after this, right here on Heat Wave Sports. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. All right, guys, welcome back. Heat Wave Sports, Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com here. We are wrapping up just a little bit of Super Bowl talk before we go into the LeBron James segment, the last, uh, last, last portion of the show. But I did want to get this out there. And we do have our huge Super Bowl preview show next Saturday night. 10 p.m. Make sure you guys listen in. All of the cast of characters will be coming back. It's our favorite show of the year. And it's always our most highly regarded show of the year by all of our fans because we bring on a slew of people, give our, our Super Bowl plays, maybe a prop or two, uh, lots of opinions, lots of things going on. And it does get heated. It gets fun. We want to hear from you as well. 876-1340. You guys can drop us over at HW Sports and at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. Drop us your Super Bowl predictions, picks. We'll pick them out. We'll read them on the air. So that is next week. But I do think that there is a lot of things that can get lost in the shuffle of a great show that we will have next week. So I wanted to touch on just a few Super Bowl storylines and things of that nature moving in. Um, One of the things that I certainly do see is People that just aren't following line movement. And I'm not only talking about the game itself. We know the line movement and the eyes on the line movement for the game itself are going to be massively scrutinized, right? I mean, we know that. We know for a fact that this is going to be the most scrutinized game uh, in, in of the year. It is every year. So when a line shifts from 50 and a half to 50, 50 on the point spread. Oh, the whole world is coming to an hour. Here we go. People are going to overreact. People are going to overreact to Philly being a one and a half point favorite as opposed to a one. And maybe you can still catch two out there. Yet people are going to overreact to that. But the prop plays are interesting because everybody I talk to loves prop plays. And I do too. I just did a brand new uh, prop play preview show over on Believe. Uh, You go to Believe.com. Go check out Believe in Betting, which is uh, my show there. And I did a, a complete prop play preview. I wrote an article for the New York paper out here, which is all of my prop plays coming up. I love prop plays. And it gets a lot of people going, oh, yeah, I love prop plays too. I love it. But they don't pay attention to some of the lines that do move. And just to give you an idea, Patrick Mahomes to throw more than one and a half touchdown passes, depending on where you were shopping around the country this week, you could get that at minus 210. You could get that over one and a half. You get that minus 210, or you had to pay minus 240. Guys, that's a pretty huge gap. Now, there are sports books out there that aren't even allowing the one and a half. They're allowing two and a half. 
right? So now you have to go over the two and a half. Those kind of prop plays, they get lost in the shuffle. They get lost in the shuffle when you're talking about good numbers to jump on, good numbers not to jump on. I'll give you guys a freebie here. I like the Jarek McKinnon to go under rushing yards, right? Jarek McKinnon to go under uh, rushing yards. Depending on where you're sitting, you could get 24 and a half, and now it's down to 19 and a half in some spots. Well, that's a big difference when you're talking about rushing yards and what that might be. So you have to go out there and you have to kind of shop around. You have to go out there and you kind of have to have to look around, but also watch the shifts because if somebody's walking in with a lot of money on a prop play, they can move the prop play pretty quickly because there's so many out there. Now, a few things that I do want to touch on here, right? I, I do want to touch on a, a, a few oddities and ends, things like the team that has won the coin toss has gone on to lose the last eight Super Bowls. Does that matter? I don't know if that matters, but I will tell you, this does matter. The outright winner of the Super Bowl is 47-7-2 and two against the spread. That means if you're going to bet the Eagles, do not money line the Eagles. Do, do not money line them. And if you're going to bet, bet the Chiefs, money line the Chiefs. Do not worry about the point spread. We're talking about the point spread has only come back and burned you seven times in the history of the Super Bowl, guys. So some trends are great. Some trends mean something. Some trends don't. That's why we're here to kind of walk you through it all. Tim, are you back with me, my man? I'm here listening to your your great takes on, on this game coming up next week. Yeah, just, just real quick before we uh, – we do want to talk about LeBron in a little bit, but I, I want to just ask you about uh, – I got a big reaction here on Twitter already about the Patrick Mahomes legacy. And I, I went on probably like a 25-minute diatribe about it. Uh, laying out that Mahomes, Reed, and the Chiefs have just as much to lose as they do to win. And I got a couple of people already writing it. It doesn't matter what Mahomes does. He's one of the greatest of all time. And I think that they're, they're sort of missing the point of what I was saying. What do you believe with a loss, not with a win, with a loss, what do you believe happens to Patrick Mahomes' legacy? Oh, we always, what was the word we used to we used for a while was the overreaction of, what we see happening right in front of us. And then when you really stand back and look at it, maybe a year later, it literally can change. Right, Tom. So I think a loss, um, it, it does kind of tarnish what his current legacy is. Right. So you went to the Super Bowl three times and you lost two of them. It's, that's not, that's not necessarily, it doesn't put you in that elite class. Whereas if you win the second one out of three, you jump up to, another status. So I, I think it, I think a loss kind of does tarnish the legacy and granted that would be the, uh, the current form, right? Because if he came back next season and won one, where does that put him? And now you start throwing apples and oranges around because now you can debate on, on where he belongs all, all time. But um, I would say, yeah, I would say a loss definitely has to hurt him. I mean, there, how, how do you say a, a losing record in the biggest game in the world and you have a losing record in it. I mean, it kind of says, what does that say? Like, maybe you got lucky the first time, right? Tim, my, my, my basic argument here is that to you're always going to have naysayers about Montana. You're always going to have the Bradys out there. If you These are the two that the, the standard bearers, right? <clears throat> and Mahomes has a long career ahead of him, 10, 12 years, whatever it might be. I believe if you lose two Super Bowls, Tim, to even be in the conversation with a Brady and a Montana – He's got to he's got to win four or five. 
right? Because right. a four and two record, I don't know if that stands up against Montana and Brady. A five and two record. All right, maybe now you're talking about standing up. But three and two, Tim, three and two doesn't stand up against the greatest of greats. So you're setting yourself up if he loses this one. You're setting yourself up to have to go out there and win four or five Super Bowls to kind of put yourself back on regular footing. Is that too far-fetched? No, that's right. I'd say that's right. I don't even know if he won three. It puts him in the conversation. So I think he has to win five. Five and five and one, five and two. That would I, I would put him in there. I think it's four and one. I think it's four and one. Mm-hmm. He'll get some talk. But if he loses this one, you're right. He's got to win at least four and probably five. If he's four and two, does he get talk? That that's 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 my big that's my breaking point right there. Yeah. Four and two uh, finishes his career. Four and two. Let's say he wins another two MVPs. Right. He's got like four MVPs, goes four and two. Ah, I still think the Montana backers and the Brady backers are going to win that argument. Yeah. Well, Brady would have more and Montana never lost. So, right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, mean, you're really looking at if he loses this Sunday in order to get back into that greatest of all time argument, he's got to win like five Super Bowls. Yeah. That's just the ridiculousness (laughs) of the world that we're in right now. No, I, I, and, and what about the other the other uh, thing that I kind of talked about, and, and I kind of threw you under the bus a little bit while while your uh, microphone was having some issues. You couldn't argue back with me. I want to give you the platform here. You made a mention earlier that Jalen Hurts could be the first running quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, but my contention here is that he's not a traditional running quarterback. He hasn't been since his injury, for sure. Um, but I think a lot of the league is like that. Look, a lot of the league – the guy's getting 30, 40 yards. Now, if he breaks off one of his ridiculous 17 carries for 157 yards, sure, he is. But I don't know if Jalen Hurts, he doesn't strike me at least to be a pure running quarterback. He doesn't remind me of the Lamar Jacksons of the world or the Cam Newtons of the world. Do you believe that he's in that camp? Or when you said running quarterback, is it just a guy that runs as much as he does? Yeah, the latter. A guy that runs as much as he does because when you look at if you look at Mahomes, right? Mahomes runs too when he has to. But if you put him in the category of the guys like Burrow, a pocket a pocket quarterback more so, that Burrow's not going anywhere. We know that, right? Even even Josh Allen will take off, but that that's not his game. Whereas Jalen has that availability to take it to that the other level if he wants to. That's that's what I meant more by running quarterback. Not Michael Vick like, not Lamar Jackson like. Even the Lamar's this year, a lot more was um, he looked a lot more like Jalen Hurts this year than what Jalen Hurts would look like Lamar last year, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I, a guy that has that availability to run and can produce when he runs, but definitely he doesn't think first, run first like Lamar had in the past or a Vic or a Randall. Yeah, I, I am kind of torn with the Josh Allen because I'm like, look, I watched every game Josh Allen's ever played. I do not see him as a running quarterback. Mm-hmm. Then again, man, he, his numbers are right up there, right, with the greatest running quarterbacks of all time. I, I just think that we're in that transition period where that that is just the norm almost. I, I mean, I really do believe that. Um, last thing about the Super Bowl that I wanted to ask you, with uh, we're going to get into this on Saturday, like I said, but with prop plays out there, watching the numbers, jumping on, have you jumped on any prop plays? 
And are you seeing any numbers kind of go in your favor or against your favor yet? I'll be honest. I haven't, I haven't looked at it. To tell you the truth, and I don't know if that's you because you're not betting on Chris Stapleton's hat yet. The hat <laughs> color of Chris Stapleton is literally out there, by the way. I don't think we can do that, can we? No, nah, not legally. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly haven't looked at it, and it's not because I was trying. There's not like this grand plan for me. Hey, I'm gonna look at the last second and see what I got. I just uh, just look. Time was like we said at the beginning of the show. Time is crazy, and I, I had it up on my mobile app one day. I was gonna look at it, and something happened. I had to put the phone down. And I never got back to it. So I, I planned on this week's a little easier for me. So I planned on spending a lot of time on it, but. You know, you know me, man. I find one or two that I like, and then I just kind of cherry pick you, Tom. So, <laughs> do, do, do you like the player props better? Do you like the team props? Do you like uh, the fun props, the exotics? What What do you generally kind of gravitate towards? Um, I, I like player props. That's my thing. I, I, during the season, that's it's it's really sad that if we talk about like um, our records on betting professional sports, then NFL. My prop record is unbelievable. It's astronomical, Tom, compared to a regular season game or a playoff game. So I'm a player prop guy. And then I like to look at the exotics and, and maybe if something jumps out at me, I'll do it. But more player props than anything. You know, I, I, I talked about this on my show, uh, you know, both my Wagering Week podcast and Believe in Betting this week. And I, I really think that people are not understanding the market. Tim, unders and player props is the way to go. And you think about it, if you wake up and you're you're a fantasy player and you're a casual better, what are you going to do? What are you betting? You're betting the overs. Who's really wanting to bet unders in a player prop? They just don't – it doesn't happen. And the Super Bowl is a time where everybody wants their guys to do well. They want to see scoring. Oh, I've never bet a game in my life, but I know Travis Kelsey was on my fantasy team, right? It is over, 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 over. I have cleaned up in the playoffs betting prop plays on the under where I'm telling you guys, it wasn't even close. Nick Bolton last week over under 11 and a half tackles. He had four to finish up. Okay. Wilson last week over eight and a half tackles. He had three to finish up. It wasn't even close. So I'm just telling everybody from a professional standpoint, go out there and please look at the unders for player props. It's a rarely touched on market. But the player prop for the overs for the Super Bowl, they're astronomical. I'm looking at them and I'm going, this is three, four yards more than it should be. This is five, six yards more than it should be. So I I, I implore people, make sure that you take a look at that portion of it uh, when you're looking at player props this week. One of our good friends, one of the founders of Heat Wave Sports, Tommy, Ron Natty. He is the big, or was the biggest over better ever. Didn't matter the sport. Didn't matter. It was over the total, over uh, on props. It was over everything, right? And I asked him one day. I was like, Ron, I said, why do you always bet overs, man? He goes, honestly, I would rather lose by not getting there than bet an under and watch it just fall apart on me when when it goes way over. And he, like in his mind, he's like, it would feel much worse to lose that way. And I I don't agree with that, but I, I see where he was coming from in layman's terms is that. When you know, perfect example, we'll go baseball here, right? So it's Greg Maddox, and I'm going to date ourselves here, but it was great. Greg Maddox, Kevin Brown were pitching in a Florida Atlanta game, and the over under was like six, right? I love the under, right? Love the under. 
First Ron five under under three. I love under it. three. Yeah. He's like, I was like, Ron, why did you bet that over? He's like, I, I just can't. I, I can't see these guys. Uh, I can't see these. He's an offensive guy, so he's like, I just can't see these teams not scoring scoring runs. I go, but these are the two best pitchers in baseball right now. He goes, it's a trap, Tim. It's a trap. It was two to one was the final score. Both of them went the distance. So it kind of tells you, you know, like <laughs> the way things are. And I said, Ron, you weren't even close. He's like, it's okay. I, I'm I'm okay losing this way. I would have been mad if I bet the under and it was ended up being seven to five. I go, I'll never understand your thinking, but I've heard that from other people too, Tommy, that they just look at the over and that's it. There's no, no thought in their mind to take an under anywhere. Tim, people like scoring. People like overs. We once again just finished an NFL season where if you just blindly bet the unders, you would have made money. <laughs> That's if you just bet the unders, you just blindly bet the unders. And I'm not even talking about prop plays. I'm talking about overall. Uh, well, Tim, look, it's about that time to get everybody's all angry and annoyed at us, uh, us specifically me. I think us, but specifically me. Can I can I ask you one thing before we jump to the the waste of space conversation? Sure. So you, you you piqued my interest real quick, and I, I just jumped on the mobile app, and I wanted to see something. So oh, we had great. talked about <laughs> we had talked about privately and on the show the quarterback touchdown pass uh, prop. So guys like Mahomes was consistently you, you would you at one point you would have to go over the two and a half, right, Tom, to to get a, a bet in. So I'm looking at a Mahomes prop bet for this Super Bowl now and it's two so now it's two minus 120 um is that because Philly has this stout defense or is it because he's hurt or is it because they're trying to generate money on both both ways but now you don't have to deal with the half a touchdown basically you have to get three to win the bet now it's two and you at least push your money back is this do you think it was structured that way for a reason or any of the thing the points that I brought up would lead it to drop that half off Tim, I, I think it was one of the bigger mistakes that I've seen in the betting market. I can tell you right now because my bets are already in. I And I put this up and I gave this out for free after I put it up. Um, I, I gave this out for free on Believe Network. You guys check it out on, on Twitter. I give out free plays. I absolutely hammered the Patrick Mahomes over one and a half touchdown pass. I hit my limit because I got it at one and a half. My explanation to my members here, Tim, okay, was it makes sense that he was going to get two. He had three touchdown passes in the AFC Championship game. It's the fifth straight postseason game with multiple touchdown passes for Mahomes. He's averaging three passing touchdowns per game over his last five playoff starts, right? Um, I have a lot of good things for him to go over. But what I said was this is going to get to a point where it's Patrick Mahomes over two and a half touchdown passes, which you're alluding to. It might get there. It's over two at least now, right? So I could middle this. So I think it was a giant mistake. I think anybody that's going out there and they're going out there casually, they're betting Mahomes over. But I didn't do it because of that, that I think, oh, he's going to throw three, four touchdown passes. He might. What I did this for is because I knew I was going to be able to middle this thing. And I think that that is a mistake on the sports books. I do. I think they made a massive mistake. Now, sitting at two, yeah, I don't love it anymore, Tim. Because now you have to get the three to cash that, you know. Um, and I think they're trying to overcorrect because of the mistake that they made. That is a massive dropping of the ball 
But and it wasn't just one sports book. I mean, this was sports books across the country. You were paying a lot of juice. You were paying about two to one juice, right? You're paying a lot of a lot of juice on it, but it didn't matter to me because I knew I was going to be able to middle it. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, that it's the sense. same thing right now. <clears throat> I gave my members last week Jarek McKinnon under 24 and a half rushing yards, right? Under 24 and a half rushing yards. It, he has rushed for seven yards just once in the past five games. I uh, went for 25 in that game, and that's it. And he's had five or more rushing attempts in only eight of 19 games. He stayed under 24 and a half rushing yards, 13 of his 19 games. I love the under, Tim, but I also knew that everybody else is going to start reading the things that I'm reading. I could get Jarek McKinnon over 19 and a half right now, and I could middle that. So I do think that during Super Bowl season, it's really important to jump on lines at certain times because you could back yourself up and really help yourself out. Well, make sure you tune in next week for our Super Bowl preview show, and we'll be giving our official selections on the game and prop bet. So tune in for that. And, Tom, I know you wanted to spend a little time on uh, just a – he's a disgrace to, to professional sports when he opens his mouth, man. It really – angers me to some of the things this guy says. <laughs> well, this guy is LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron James just finished with 27 points, okay, last uh, on Saturday. He's 38 years old and needs 36 points to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time NBA scoring record. Wow, what a huge record. 38,387. It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it, Tim? I mean, mm-hmm. we all know. The, the record, right? I mean, it's one of those iconic, iconic records. Right? No, no, it's not. <laughs> not even a little bit. But if you hear LeBron, the way that LeBron tells it, okay, LeBron says, this is like Hank Aaron being chased down by Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa in their famous year. <laughs> no, folks. He really said that. Yeah, LeBron James really said that Aaron, this record is like the all-time home run record. Hank Aaron held it for so long, and then McGuire and Sosha chased him down. I've said it before, and I've said it again. LeBron James is the dumbest athlete that I've ever encountered. Everything he says that comes out of his mouth from a uh, usually a non-basketball standpoint, because he's got a good high IQ for basketball, from a non-basketball standpoint is either factually completely incorrect or idiotic. LeBron James, though, is building this up to be Hank Aaron, building this up to be the chase for 60. I don't know one person that cares, Tim, because I think we all know that this is nothing more than a stat compiler getting stats compiled. LeBron James, he's going to beat the all-time record. Oh, my goodness. Well, when you you play (laughs) 20 seasons, right, when you have a career that's 1,400 games long, yeah, I'm going to say that you probably will score a lot of points. I'm not telling you that he didn't earn the points. I mean, 30 points a year this year, 30 points a year last year. You know, he's got 30 points a year uh, during the 2007-2008 year, 31 during the 2005-2006 year. It's great. And Kareem had a very long career as well. Kareem actually is going to finish up with uh, with more games played. You know, uh, not much more, but about a season more. But it's still a stat compiling. Stat- it's, it, it's not a statistic. 
and I always get so annoyed at this. It's not a statistic that you could go out there and say, we're, we're shocked that he chased down. If you are an elite level player, and I'm not telling you that LeBron's not elite level, okay? But if you're an elite level player and you play 20 years, you're going to compile all-time stats for things like all-time scoring just because you lasted this long, right? I, I mean, you're going to go out and you're going to score points in bunches. Michael Jordan had only 1,072 games. Michael Jordan wasn't going for the scoring record, right? He wasn't going to do that. But Michael Jordan averages three points more per game. Who's the better scorer, Tim? Yeah. Just because Michael Jordan didn't last that long? Went off, he played baseball? He retired and unretired? Are we going to knock Michael Jordan for that? No, you shouldn't. I would rather, and I say this about, this isn't just about LeBron James. I say this about just about every athlete in every sport. I would rather have 10 years of pure dominance than 20 years of, eh. One of the greatest guys that, that talk about this, and I know this is going to hit a button with you because uh, you're probably a big fan, <laughs> but Rafael Palmero always comes to mind. Rafael Palmero growing up was never a guy that I thought was a great baseball player. Never led the league in home runs, not once, no, never, zero, zero, zero times led the league in home runs ever, okay? He was never really considered for the MVP, finished sixth one year. That was about it. Yet, Rafael Palmeiro has 569 career home runs. I know they're aided by roids, but 569 career home runs. It's a stack compiler. LeBron James is better than just purely a stack compiler. But the fact that they're making out this record to be the end-all, be-all, and this record to be the paramount of LeBron James, and this record to be talked about like Hank Aaron and, and Roger Maris and, and uh, whoever else he was trying to allude to, utterly, unbelievably ridiculous. It's a, it's a terrible comparison, and I find it laughable, Tim. Yeah, he, he's the one that made the comparison, though. <laughs> Nobody else did. The, the problem I have is that why did, and, and I know the answer because obviously we work in the industry. Why doesn't anybody call him out on that? Because they'll never be able to cover another another event he's at again, right? That That's the punishment that you get for, spe for speaking your mind when you think that somebody is factually incorrect that's a guy on the, on the level of his status of what LeBron James is. If you were in a press conference, Tom, if you and I are in a press conference and he says that, and you, Mike comes to you and you're like, what are you talking about? How can you even compare that, what you just said, to what you're going to do here? They, they would escort you out of the room, and you would never be allowed to cover another event in that arena or with that team ever again. And that's wrong. That is wrong that we can't have – we have an open forum now, obviously, but we couldn't do that, right? And these guys, they, they all placate to, to him because of who he is and the, the power that he brings. And I just don't think it's right because you're right. What he said is factually wrong, He and it will never – I don't even know what to compare it to because you're right. Even Kareem was a stat compiler, Tom, if you think about it. Right. Right. Am I right? He, yeah, he played absolutely. 20, 20 plus years. And, and uh, even, even at the end, they were feeding him the ball to get him to the record. Right. So it is what it is, but to compare it to what baseball is, and then to, to compare it to two guys that did steroids to get to chase down Hank Aaron and didn't even get there anyways. I don't even understand the, the logic of that. 
Tim, to bring it back to, to football a little bit here, I was trying to think of a comparison. You know, trying to think of the the, the comparison for um, what what a stack compiler could kind of be in football. And I thought, well, you know what? I think the 55 touchdown passes by Peyton Manning is getting to be an iconic level. Uh, but that's a single season. So I, I have more respect for that. I think a very fair comparison, very, very fair, is Emmett Smith passing Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a really good, fair comparison of what this is. Walter, everybody knew Walter Payton had the all-time rushing yards. Well, Emmett Smith played more games. Emmett Smith went on uh, to to beat that record with with a ton more carries. Right? Emmett Smith went out there, and we celebrated it, and we said, "Okay, you know, nice job." But it is not an iconic number. You can't rattle off Emmett Smith's number. You can't even tell me probably. You know, when he did it, what year he did it. You can't even sit back and say, I remember where I was when it happened. There are certain numbers in baseball. uh, I'm sorry, in sports, specifically in baseball. And that's who he compared this to. That are bigger than the game. Baseball is a statistic-driven sport. Historic-driven sport. Basketball is not. It's forward-leaning. NFL is not. Forward-leaning. Baseball is a, a backwards leaning. They they want to look at history. They embrace their history. Basketball almost tends to forget it, and they want to forget it. For LeBron James to look back and compare his numbers to baseball, well, you have to give a fair comparison. So I was trying to think about football, and I, th- I think the Emmett Smith thing really, really, really does um, it, it some justice. Yeah, you, you, you are the all-time rushing leader, but we often have this conversation. We have Chris Wynn. We have Feldman. Both Detroit Lion fans, right? We have uh, Ron, who loves Earl Campbell. A lot of guys like Jim Brown. I'm a Walter Payton guy. There's not a lot of discussions of who's the greatest running back of all time, and Emmett Smith comes into into the conversation. No, because he clearly isn't, even though he owns the record. Well, LeBron James, I believe, is the same way. There's not a lot of discussion by intelligent basketball people out there that think LeBron James is the best of all time, despite this record. And despite... Whatever LeBron James wants to build this up to in his mind, it's a stat-compiling record, LeBron. Lean on your championships. Lean on the fact that at 38 years old, you're averaging over 30 points per game. That's accomplishments. That's something that I could relate to and say, wow, you know what, LeBron? That's amazing. Lean to, to the fact the most amount of minutes that you're playing. Lean to the fact that your body is in better shape than anybody maybe in NBA history. That's tangible. That's your legacy, LeBron. For him to attach himself to this fake legacy, this this fake number that he wants to believe is like Hank Aaron, that he wants to believe is captivating the nation like McGuire and Sosa, it's a disservice to himself. It's a slap in the face to intelligent sports fans. And it's spitting in the face to anybody that understands basketball. It's almost like he has to keep himself relevant, right, Tom? Because they might not even make the playoffs this year. So how do you, how do I develop this relevancy? Well, I'm going to break this record here soon. So let's, let's, let's blow this up into something to keep me out there in the world. Hey, you know I, what I, I would appreciate, LeBron? He bre- breaks a record this week, right? He only needs 36 points. He'd probably break it the next game. Breaks the record. He should turn around and say, eh, the record doesn't mean anything unless we make the playoffs this week, this yeah. year. Right? Yeah. I'd respect him for that. Yeah. 
I, I'd go, wow, LeBron, wow, it's not about you? Well, we know that'll never happen. But, oh, oh, it's not about you. Okay. I mean, come on. Come on. You, you know, and a lot of these a lot of these longevity records, Tim, they kind of feel like that. I know you're the biggest Cal Ripken fan. I get it. But Cal Ripken's streak at the end was almost sad. Them limping him out to third base and kind of batting him like eighth and him barely getting across the finish line. It, it was kind of sad to watch. Now it captivated everybody, uh, but it, it was almost it was almost oh okay. LeBron's not getting here in a sad way, guys. LeBron's not limping to the finish line. LeBron's having a great year. Why don't we concentrate on the year he's having, as opposed to the stat compiling number that he wants to build up in his head? That's Mr. Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com, Tim Unglesby. And Ryan, it's been a wonderful two hours here on a super Sunday night of Heatwave Sports. Tommy, let everybody know about the website, the YouTube, the podcast. I could go on and on. I could do another five minutes of just all your accolades, my man. Guys, go check it out. It's TomBartonSports.com. Like I said, I'm hitting 67% since the calendar turned. Over the course of the NFL season, guys, over 60% on my free plays on Believe. And you guys go go check that out on Twitter. I am now 12-4 and four over my last 16 free play weeks. I am absolutely on fire. You get it all at TomBartonSports.com. If you go to TomBartonSports.com right now, you start to get all of my early prop plays for the Super Bowl. You're going to get every play that I give out for the Super Bowl, everything I give out for college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL where I'm red hot as well. Go check me out at Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. Believe in betting on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe in the Ivy League on the Believe Podcast Network and betting, uh, wagering week over on anywhere where podcasts can be heard. Tom, next Saturday night, the annual Super Bowl preview show. I know you're looking forward to that. I am looking forward to it. Abby asked me this morning, she said, so uh, you guys want me to be on? I said, absolutely. You, yep. She's nailed like four of the last five Super Bowl winners. We, we, we need some of that. Yeah, all the – absolutely, Abby's coming on. And all the old – Names and faces will be appearing again, so make sure you join us at 10 o'clock next Saturday night for our Super Bowl preview show. Until then, for the aforementioned Tommy and Ryan, I'm Tim Ungles. We have a great sports week. We will talk to you, like I said, next Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, this is Heat Wave Sports. Good night.